Welcome to the podcast of Redemption Church. This is Story Sunday. So we're going to move into our time for Story Sunday. In case you're not familiar, Story Sunday, um, we shake things up a little bit. We do things a little bit different. In place of our normal sermon um, from usually Gary, Scotty, or myself, we get to hear from you guys and about what God is doing in your lives. Story Sunday is kind of unique because when we hear a sermon, usually it's about something in the Bible that God has done in the past. But what we're getting to hear today is what is God doing in our world now? You know, as Christians, we believe God is alive and is active and is living. And his story doesn't stop on the last page of the Bible, but that it continues in the world around us today. And so where has God been showing up in your life and what have we been seeing? We're going to get to hear that today from Emily, from Justin, and from Harry. Um, you know, Revelation tells us that it is by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony that we overcome the enemy. And so getting to share our stories is part of that. It's uh, empowering people of God to get to know who God is and just uh, pushing back against the darkness that's in the world. And so it's my great pleasure that we get to invite these guys to share this morning. So with that, Emily... applause. I almost feel bad saying that. I sort of hope that the last time I ever had to do public speaking was last April when I gave a toast at my sister's wedding. So sorry if it always shakes a little bit. Um, no, I'm happy to be up here. Uh, but to be honest, I still feel a little bit like I'm in the trenches of new motherhood, even though Lucas is two years old already. So it is a little bit hard for me to make space in my day for God most days beyond the tiny sliver at the end of the day. Thank you, God, for getting me through today. Please help me to get through tomorrow. Today would be a good example, because we started off at 5 a.m. in the bathtub with Lucas, because he got sick overnight. (laughs) Um, Anyways, I know this sounds a little dramatic, but I still feel like I'm in survival mode sometimes, but I appreciated the challenge to dig a little deeper spiritually and to share a little bit about what God has been teaching me with all of you. I think as many new moms or newer moms, relate. Much of my experience of the past few years has been shrouded with worry. Worry over just the basic stuff pertaining to the health and well-being of my kid, which I also think may be exaggerated by the fact that I work as a pediatric nurse for anyone who doesn't know, and I think this pretty drastically skews my perception of how often bad stuff happens to kids. So naturally I worry a lot about health and safety, But I've also spent the past two years worrying a lot about whether or not I was doing a good job as a mom in a lot of different ways at different stages, because it's always changing. Um, I won't spell them all out, but honestly, I regret how much this worry has consumed me. But now that Lucas is a bit older, I find myself worrying less and just enjoying him more. Maybe it's my own personal growth, but I also find encouragement in the little person he is becoming, and all these incredible moments, like when he just sighs and leans over and puts his head on me out of nowhere and says, I love you, mommy, or insists on taking his stuffed animals to the park so he can send them down the slides and push them on the swings or share his Cheerios and water with them, or when he quietly whispers, excuse me, as we slide our shopping cart past another shopper in a crowded store. 
These moments give me relief and encouragement that I can't possibly be doing everything wrong because I know he learned a lot of those things from me. Don't get me wrong, we certainly have our fair share of toddler moments, and he's also learned how to yell and raise his voice at times from me also. But for some reason, this all got me thinking of that progressive commercial where they say, you just gotta face it, progressive can't stop you from becoming your parents, as if that's somehow a bad thing. And sure, I have some qualities that I don't necessarily want to pass on to Lucas, such as worrying and self-doubt, which I've already mentioned. But I also realized that one of the most rewarding things in parenthood is seeing your kids be like you. For me, perhaps my favorite way Lucas is like me is his extreme love of peanut butter and chocolate. Even though this doesn't really benefit anybody else besides him and me, of course, since I get to share it with him. But in all seriousness, this got me thinking that maybe God has been teaching me that just like it is so cool for me to see all the ways Lucas reflects me, God likes to see us reflect him not only just to our kids and families, but to those in our communities. And we talk a lot in this church about smelling like Jesus, which I'm sure also means that we should look, sound, feel, and taste like Jesus too. But how do we do this? I'm certainly no expert, but I think a good starting point is what Paul writes about in Galatians, the fruits of the Spirit, which we also talk about a lot here at Redemption. As a reminder, these are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And I know these are generally thought of as fruits as in bearing fruit, but maybe we also ought to think about them as things we taste, smell, see, hear, and feel in our daily lives, so that when we are these fruits for others, we are more like God to them. When Lucas shows me love by leaning his head on me and saying, I love you, Mommy, and goodness when he frantically searches for his water bottles so he can share some water with his thirsty stuffed animals or the big plastic dinosaurs at the playground. He's not just reflecting me, he's reflecting me reflecting God. And I'm pretty sure that in those moments, God's smile is even bigger than mine. I also think it's no coincidence that the moments that stick out so clearly when I consider examples of how my two-year-old reflects God involve love and water and how quick he is to freely give away what has so freely been given to him. And as Jesus reminds us in Matthew chapter 10, verse 8, freely you have received, freely give. Now I think I still have a lot of work to do in this area, but what I'm learning is that one of the biggest barriers to giving, whether it be money, time, or what have you, is worry. But if there is anything that my two-year-old lacks, it's worry. Because he is secure in the knowledge that he is loved and taken care of by me and his dad. But beyond that, he is loved and cared for by God. As we, are all, as we all are as children of God. And as we dwell in that truth and allow that truth to wash over us, the natural consequence is a reflective pool reflecting the Lord back to all those in our midst as we share what God has given to us with everyone else. Um, when I thought about what to talk about today, I had an idea, and then I was like, that idea needs context, and then I kind of kept going further back in my life to get that context, so... Um, my great-grandma was born in 1860. <laughs> um, but, so actually, though, um, <laughs> I was, I think it's appropriate to mention, so, like, as a, as a kid, 
Um, I grew up in a Christian environment. Um, I became like pretty good, super Christian. Um, people saw me um, as like a future pastor. That was kind of both, I voiced it, and it was also kind of put on me. Um, so I got pretty good at like not cursing and telling other people not to curse and like having pretty good simple answers for suffering and um, I kind of took this on as my identity. Um, and so that identity kind of pushed me further into what I see now as a pretty narrow way of being um, and thinking. And, after high school, I spent a year in Germany with a missions organization, and that kind of pushed me even further into this identity of um, simplifying people and um, I should like for me it went toward like self doubt and um, my identity as a Christian was dependent on actions and behaviors and being right about things. Um, I spent a lot of time with a, a number of like Pentecostal and charismatic churches in Germany. There was like an American Pentecostal church with the military, which was like way different than any of my upbringing in a Mennonite Pennsylvania area. Um, there were German Pentecostals a couple of Mennonites I knew were like heavily influenced by the Pentecostal world, and um, so I say all that to say, like I, I saw, I, I believe that those people were good and genuinely wanted to know God, but there was also a lot put on me to. Um, I felt like I was never being what I needed to be for God. Um, I, I couldn't speak in tongues as much as I tried to fast and pray away in, in my prayer room for hours and hours. Um, I really just became kind of more and more miserable. And um, to me, God became something that made me just feel awful about myself. Um, and so what's where that gets me to today is um, I came back from Germany, I went to college, uh, I went to a Christian college and um, had a number of experiences there too that were both good and bad. Um, thankfully I met people there that really helped me with my faith and even the self-image that I had adopted of how bad I was that I couldn't speak in tongues and heal broken legs and things like that. Um, and so the weird part is, today I work at a Christian counseling center. Um, I like started two weeks ago as a therapist there, and so it's a weird identity of like, the Christian counseling world is kind of its own thing, and I certainly am Christian in my approach, and I, I try to be a Christ-like presence with my clients. Um, and there are ways that that's not at all difficult to identify with. But I, I feel myself hearkening back to some of that um, 
narrow or um, that self-doubt, that image of myself that I'm not right enough or I, I, I'm not confident enough in my beliefs or whatever it may be. So where I'm getting at with this is I've found in my counseling work, like my work with clients, that if I, it's, it's kind of, um, Carl Rogers is like a, um, the father of American psychology in some ways. Um, and he, he kind of said, like, if you can create a certain space with a client, if you can create a certain relationship with a person, that they will begin to find within themselves healing. Um, they'll, they'll find the things that are wrong and that in some mysterious way they will grow into the person that they are to become. And I find that to be true with my clients. I, I, um, the, the abstract of Christian theology and thought, good and important as it is, actually becomes real in my work with clients. That me just being as much like Jesus as I can be, accepting a client in with grace and all of the person is welcome and the dark and the good and the nasty and the pleasant. It's all there and it's all allowed to exist. Um, so I find that with my clients, but I'm also finding it with myself um, as I work with my own counselor and in recent weeks, a lot of that stuff from my upbringing and my time in Germany um, has been coming up. And I've found in myself that I'm, um, I hold a lot of anger and disappointment with that time. I, it really stinks to find you're doing what you don't like other people doing. Um, like I found myself being very judgmental toward Christians I have categories of good Christians and bad Christians that are difficult to define, but I get to arbitrarily choose it. Like I, the things that I didn't like other Christians doing, I end up finding myself doing in some ways like that. And the way that I see God working in that right now is I, I, I think even the process of bringing that to light for me. And we talk about here in Redemption a lot of like loving those that you don't want to love. And pondering that these last couple of years of being part of Redemption, I think has created a space in me that I can look at how I'm being judgmental toward other Christians. And just like with my clients, where I can create the space to, for them to meet Christ, I find that my own heart is being changed in that work with my counselor, with friends that I discuss this with, that um, I can have, I can release that, I can open my heart to even those that I label as bad Christians and um, begin to deconstruct that label itself and just embrace the Christian family and beyond. So, I hope that makes sense.
Hello, my name's Harry. Um, and I don't, I'm not good at speaking either at all. I never speak. I'm usually one on one person speaking, but um, I'm reminiscing. It's my third year anniversary at the way home. Been there for three years, and it was Thanksgiving Eve when I moved in the way home. I was the only person there, the first person there. And it's reflecting back that when I was going to the shared meals and then Paul came into the church and he was signing people up and he said, oh, we're, you know, we're trying this house out and shared, and shared housing and I just became homeless in the first month and all the other guys that I know from the shared meals, I was like, listen, Paul, it's a, it's a nice idea, nice concept, but you should ask the rest of the guys here first because they've been homeless for years. I didn't, I didn't think I was worthy enough. And he said, well, just fill out the, the contract. And I was like, okay, fine. So these are the, the things that, as I reflect, God was guiding me 14, 14 years ago, around this time, I had uh, lost my job and the Great Recession. And back then, not only did I lose my job, I was suffering with MS. And you, I constantly talk to God. I'm like, why did you do this to me? Why is this happening? And then I realized these are the lessons in life you got to go through. And I was working at my job for 19 years and suffering from the MS. And then I got laid off and I was like, you know what? I'm good. It's just a job. As I reflect back, every time in my life, when something really bad happened, I just got to the point where it was like, I'm gonna leave it up to you. I'm not gonna worry about it. Even when um, I was homeless, and Paul approached me, I didn't even I didn't even worry about it. I was like, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go gambling. I'm gonna hit, hit money. I'm gonna buy my my own car apartment. I'll fix it. And then after three four months, I used to walk and talk all the time with Jesus, and I used to say, When are you gonna answer my prayers? And then I would go to church, and the uh, the minister would say, 
Well, you know, some funny thing about prayers, God's not going to answer them when you want them. He's going to answer them when he's ready. And I was like, okay, well, you're answering my questions right away. And that's how it always used to be. Like, I would think about something and say, God, why, why aren't you doing this for me? And then a person would come and talk to me and answer it. I'm like, okay, now I'm listening to you. But um, the reflection is, no matter what hardships you have in life, he'll always answer your prayers. And ooh, it's been a long journey, but, you know, it's just weird how things work out. I'm always praying and talking to them, but then, you know, I always say, when, when are you going to answer my prayers? It's not when you want them answered, it's when he's willing to answer your prayers. And I realized that. We used to say to my mom, my mom used to preach all the time. I grew up in the Catholic Church, was uh, an altar boy and all that. And we say, my mom used to say, oh, you got to pray. My, you're a holy roller. Well, all the words that she used to say, now I do the same thing. <laughs> and she's always in my head. And I'm like, but she was always right. You know, all she got to do is ask. It's all you got to do. And when he's ready, he'll answer your prayers. So three years at the way home and I'm praying, praying, like, I want my own apartment, but when he's ready, he'll give me my own apartment. And you gotta be patient, basically. I mean, I used to go through life and people talk, you know, oh, why don't you do this, why don't you do that? No, 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 now I go through life just saying, okay, I wake up, what lessons do you have for me today, Jesus? And then sometimes I'm, Stress, and I'll wake up and say, Jesus, no lessons for today. I'm a little stressed. <laughs> I'm a little stressed. I don't need no lessons for today. But it's just, it's weird how things work their way out and how he works through me. And just um, my little side hustle is plasma donation, and I haven't been donating four months. And then all of a sudden I figure, okay, well, I was going to this plasma place. Let me go back to the old plasma place. And then I didn't, I went yesterday and then uh, a friend of mine who's uh, living in the rain, she called me up last night. Oh, would you have $20? Yeah, I would. I didn't have money the day before, but I had money yesterday. And she needed it for gas. It just works, works its way out. You know, like, it's just weird. My mom used to say, God works in mysterious ways. And we say, oh my, you're a holy roller. He really does work in mysterious ways, you know? And it's, it's just funny to me sometimes because I walk and I talk like he's beside me. And he is. That's been my experience, so. Excuse my voice, this little horse, uh, but um, if, 
if you remember anything I say, he will answer your prayers if you're patient. So, thank you. To find out more about Redemption Church, visit redemptionbristol.org.